So the big question is this, how do veterinarians like you, who live demanding lives, who never seem to have enough time, able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Smarter Vet Podcast. This is Tom Seco, one of your hosts, and I am an advisor with Florida Veterinary Advisors. And today I am joined by a very special guest. She is the owner and founder of Relief Rover. So anyone that is looking for some help finding some work or looking for a practice to work for, she is the gal to go talk to. And she's got a lot of different experience when it comes to being a relief veterinarian herself. I would like to start off and say hello, Dr. Cindy Trice. Thanks for joining us today on this podcast. Thanks for having me, Tom. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. It's always always fun to have some new guests on the show and be able to share some new stories. I, I'd like for some of the listeners today to be able to get to know you a little bit more. And could you just give us a little bit of a background of where did you go to school and where did you start working? Was it in corporate? Was it an independent practice? How did all that begin for you? I actually, relief pra- or veterinary practice was a second career for me. Prior to being a veterinarian, I worked in corporate video production and did some things like that. Then decided I wanted to go to vet school. And so I started vet school around 30 years old. I'm a University of California Davis grad. Woo-hoo. And yeah, woo! And ended up uh, after graduating, moved back to Florida. I grew up in Florida. So moved back to Florida, did an internship. I worked in an independent practice as an associate for a little while, and I ended up going back and and finishing the internship. I wasn't able to finish it the first time, ended up finishing the internship, and then launched into relief practice. I did that for many years in multiple states, and then ended up as an associate again, and then back in relief practice. So all told, the majority of my career has been as a relief practitioner. All right. So you've had a little bit of back and forth. You've had some working for a company and then you've worked for relief. And so you got, you got some experience a little bit everywhere then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. And so you're, how long have you been, what's been your longest streak that you've been working as a relief veterinarian? I've been working, well, technically I've been working since 2007 as a okay. relief vet, because even when I had a little stint as an associate in between, I still was doing some relief on the side. Mm. I was doing the little side hustle. So, but I've been a full, just exclusively relief. I don't even remember the year anymore. The time goes by so fast, but maybe <laughs> since 2014, 13, I'm not sure. <laughs> right. It's amazing how quick the time goes by. We, we tend to lose track of that sometimes because it's, it's just gone in a blink of an eye. Yeah, true. Very true. So you've been practicing for quite a while. You've been a relief veterinarian, and then you started your company Relief Rover, which uh, it's fantastic. It seems like you've been making a lot of progress. And what was one of the things that made you want to create Relief Rover? There was a little shift for me. So when I first became a relief veterinarian, I did it just to explore and wander and see what other practices were like. Maybe a little bit with some idea that I would was looking for a place to land. Then my husband, who is a freelance photographer, ended up getting work in Montana, in Missoula, Montana, that was seasonal work. So we ended up going back and forth. That was a moment where I had this realization that relief practice could actually be a career choice. And it had this little shift that rather than just being this person who goes in and fills a shift and gets paid, I'm actually a business to business service provider. And so I sort of saw myself differently and I saw the hospitals that I worked for differently and I saw my role differently. And, and it actually became an even more satisfying career choice. 
Then fast forward a little bit and I started looking around and realized there weren't a lot of resources for people who wanted to be business to business service providers as relief mm. veterinarians. And so I created Relief Rover to, to be a resource and to provide. So what Relief Rover is, is it's a platform to connect relief veterinarians to employers but also to connect them to each other and connect them to service providers who can help them grow their businesses. Fun. And we're always looking for ways to help add value to relief practitioners and, and boost them. That's a great story. And when, when did Relief Rover start? So Relief Rover was launched in July of 2018. Awesome. So we're almost, we're, we're going a couple of years into it now, which is awesome. Yeah. To shift gears here, so the main bulk of what we're going to talk about today is around financial stuff. So, and it's fun always talking with different veterinarians about their experience. You know, before you hired a, a financial professional, was there a reason that you didn't have one? I think I just didn't know really that I needed one. Hmm. I think I just didn't have the, the knowledge to, I didn't know what I didn't know. That's a know? good phrase. Yeah. I didn't know what I didn't know. I've actually been reading a, a book lately where it's talking a lot about decision making and how people will typically put more emphasis on the things that they do know. And they never tend to try to find out the things that they don't know because it's just not seen. It's kind of just invisible. So until you see it and you know it, then it's like, okay, now I probably should put some attention to it. So when you see someone that would help you on your finances, what do you see that someone would do and should be doing to help you in your finances? Well, I guess, you know, there, there's so many pieces to finances besides your income and then your output, right? You, mm -hmm. And I think that, again, this is when you, you don't know what you don't know. If you can talk to someone who can help guide you with where are the best places to put that money, what are the best types of insurance products to help with your, um, whatever your lifestyle is, whatever your risks are. And you really, most of us need guidance on things like that because it's hard to be an expert in all of those things. Yet that's important to anybody who receives money as income and then spends money, which really defines pretty much all of us. Right. Money can easily burn holes in our pockets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just to go back on that. So it's someone that's really being able to give you education on multiple different levels of your finances. And I would almost try to simplify that a little bit more is the things that maybe you're not very aware of or pay much attention to. They're also giving you some guidance around that too. Exactly. Okay. And at what point in your life did you think to yourself, man, I should hire someone or you and your husband are like, we should hire someone to help us. I think being freelancers too, and, and this would, would apply to if, even if you're not a freelancer, but being freelancers, we realized we needed a little bit of help in sort of understanding the different um, components of our, where our money is, like where it's coming in, how it's going out, how we can make it work for us better, because we do have variable income. We don't have a regular, a regular income every month, and that can make things a little bit tricky. So that was when we decided it would be a good idea to get some help. So the, the irregular income was a big factor and you're like, hey, are we getting the most that we can from our money? Right. Okay. When you hired someone, you know, I'm sure you've had some experiences before and some challenges that you've gone through. You know, talk to us about the biggest failure, financial failure you've had and what did you learn from it? I mean, I have to say I've never, I've never had a catastrophic. Not one. Financial failure. I know I haven't. I mean, okay. honestly, I mean, I, I have bent money foolishly mm. to be sure. And that list is probably long and there 
all the podcasts in the world wouldn't have time to list <laughs> for Maybe me to tell you how many times I spent money foolishly. But as far as like a big financial failure, I have not been in trouble with credit or anything like that. I've been very, very fortunate in my life. If we were to shift gears a little bit then on there, instead of failure, what about like a financial struggle that you had? And what did you learn from that? I guess, I guess some of the struggle has been having a variable income. And prior to being a veterinarian, I was also a freelancer. Hmm. Well, I was accustomed at an early age to having a variable income. So I did learn. I learned not to spend out of my means at a very early age. So I think I learned that myself from having a variable income. And now I still have a variable income. But I think one of the things, the challenges has been is how to save when you have a variable income. Right. And how much to save and how to make sure that, you know, there's money for retirement. And the older I get, the close, the closer I get to that time in life, the more important it becomes. And then of course, the more, I guess this would be potentially be a failure is it's easy to say at 51 years old, I wish I had saved more at 25 years old, right? So perhaps there was a failure there, but so far not a catastrophic one. <laughs> right. Well, sometimes, you know, those things that when we talk about failures too, they could be just decisions or behaviors that maybe I haven't created over my life that have compounded into something else to me. So especially if you get that feeling of like, man, or even when reality starts sinking and you're like, I wish I had, I had saved more when I was younger. I mean, that could be considered as a struggle or a failure. It just depends on how you, how you view it. Right. So when you say about saving and, you know, saving and having a variable income, maybe not super consistent. So maybe you have some good months and maybe some not so good months. What do you, would you say that you're, you're not very good at when it comes to your finances? Like what would be a couple of things or a thing that you're not good at? I would say I could, I probably could be a better saver, but I'm also not a terrible saver. Tell us more about that. I mean, I'm very good. I think one thing I am good at and have been good at since early on is not living outside of my means. Mm, okay. I could for sure live larger than I do, but I purposely don't because I want to have the comfort of a nest egg and things like that. Mm. So that part I've been good at, I'm not living outside my means. I also value experiences way over items, cars, houses, clothes, whatever. So I will spend money on experiences and I come at it from a perspective of, I, oh, I feel like it's a balance. It's a balance of saving for this time when you become older, right? And so that, and you don't, you no longer want to have to work. And the reality that all of us have is that you may not reach that age, mm. right? So I try to strike that balance between not being afraid to spend my money so that I can have experiences that I care about while saving for this potential future date of right. where I might need the money and, you know, I might need income without having a job. Okay. So when you're looking at making your decisions and you're trying to look at the now and enjoying your experiences and you're looking at the future, what have you done in your own life to be able to balance the two of them? We save every year for into our retirement accounts. And that money just, we don't, we pretend we don't have that money. We have some other money and savings that we also pretend we don't have. So a little bit of it, it's a mindset. Okay. It's just not there. It doesn't exist, which, which may or may not be the, from a financial advisor's, to a financial advisor's ears, that may not sound that great, but that's what works for us to not spend it. And then we do try to take some of our income and chunk it into savings. 
Okay. That said, some of the income that comes in, we will, if we choose to spend it on an experience rather than save it, we will. Makes total sense. I love experiences too. And of course, finding the balance between them. I've been to a couple of different countries and different places. I get the experience thing. There's no better present than the now, but also at the same time, not losing track of the future. So if you have some balance, it's the best place to be. Right. And I don't have an exact formula for how we do that. Okay. Since you've been being able to find some balance and being able to enjoy experiences now and you're looking to prepare for the future, now after you started working with someone on your finances, what did that help you accomplish from a financial standpoint when it came to even personally, mentally, like what did that do for you? Well, I do think it helped us get organized because I think that sort of understanding what the different buckets are to put our money in, it helped us understand like what is a reasonable amount. Well, it helped us decide what is a reasonable amount to spend on our personal budgets, what is a reasonable amount to save, where those savings could go to utilize our money in the best way possible and to figure out where we were, you know, maybe exposed or had some had some risk where we could um, improve upon that. So I think it really, it was an organizational, it helped us a lot from an organizational point of view. Getting organized is important. Mm -hmm. uh, especially if you're not organized, like when you, when you weren't organized before, like what were the, were you running in any type of, you know, of course, going back to the don't know what you don't know, but were there things that you did find out that you're like, wow, I, I probably should have been doing this a little differently than it was previously? Yes. I mean, I'm sure we, I think we had some insurance coverage that we were missing that was helpful to us. And I think we learned a bit about where we could more effectively put the money that we're saving. Okay. Yeah, getting organized is something that we always commonly talk about too, because in order to really prioritize things or in your world, triage, how do we mm -hmm. triage our financial decisions? If we don't know where we're starting from or what we have, we gotta we have to take an inventory of it and then be able to be able to put them in order and then prioritize them to make sure that we're tackling the things that have the most importance to them. And think if like an animal was brought in and you know something happened to them and they're bleeding versus a broken leg most likely going to stop the bleeding first because it's got to save the animal and then you worry about the leg next. So same thing when you're, when you're approaching finances, like how do we do that? How do we stop the bleeding and then fix the leg afterwards? And it's good that you got organized. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. The organization was immensely helpful, is immensely helpful. Cool. If you were to leave one piece of advice to people that are listening today around their finances, like what is something that you would leave them? Even if it's two things, if you want, what would you say that they should focus on right now? I would say, and this has always been a big, big thing for me, is just don't spend beyond your means. There's almost no matter what your means are. I don't think you can say this across the board. But for most veterinary practitioners, depending on how you choose to live, you can choose, you can choose to live within your means. And when you get outside of that, things start getting really stressful. And they don't need to be. That would be, I mean, I feel like that is the thing that I have seen the difference between myself and my peers, some of my peers, as far as their stress level. And when you, when you say live beyond your means, what do you mean by that a little bit? Could you just elaborate on that? Yeah, I guess I mean, I've never in my entire life had credit card debt because I don't, I only spend on my credit card what I can pay every month. And if I, I just don't spend it, I, I, I think of it very much like cash. Hmm. And so I've just never had that issue. Now, have I been tempted to sometimes? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I just haven't. Because I, that to me is too stressful. We live in a super modest house. 
and sometimes we we probably could afford a bigger house and i know sometimes a house can be an investment so that can be good spending there um, a good investment but we've chosen to keep our home investment small to live within our means and not stretch ourselves outside of that so that we can continue to live a freelance lifestyle continue to save for retirement so that's what I mean when I say living within my means and I've, I've opted to not build a material lifestyle that I have to work really hard to keep up with right got it well, everyone, this is probably something really good you can take away. Are you living outside of your means? And if you don't know, maybe take a moment to sit down and figure that out because that can always be a very good start. It's helped Cindy a lot, and I'm sure it can help a lot of you listening here today. If you were an animal, Cindy, what would you be and why? I don't know. I, what animal might I like to be? Sure. Um, I might like to be a humpback whale. A humpback whale? Yeah. And why? They, you know. I don't, because they're beautiful and they glide through the ocean and they hang upside down when they're sleeping and they sing songs and they're just beautiful. That's cool. They're just kind of chill in the water, singing songs, hanging upside down. It sounds like a great life. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. If anyone, of course, I'm sure there might be some people that want to engage with you a little bit or they have some questions or if they just want to reach out to just talk to you, is there a way for someone to get in contact with you? What's the best way? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, you can check out reliefrover.com and check out the Relief Rover website if you're interested in that. And if you want to reach me for any questions, Cindy Trice, C-I-N-D-Y-T-R-I-C-E-D-V-M at gmail.com. So for all of you that weren't able to get that, I'm sure you can replay it. However, I will put it in the description. So see below in the description, you'll be able to get access to that. But Cindy, this has been a blast today. I really have enjoyed our time here. Thank and, you for uh, having me. This was fun. Absolutely. This has been a lot of fun. And, you know, of course, make sure you continue to be a chill humpback whale because that's going to be awesome. And uh, <laughs> for everyone listening today, have a wonderful rest of your day. Now, this is Tom Seco wishing you a lifetime of financial success. Don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know about upcoming race-approved CE webinars, podcast releases, short presentations, and articles that we publish. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. C.J. Burnett and Tom Seco are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. C.J. Burnett's and Tom Seco's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Venture Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purposes only guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Florida Veterinary Advisors, and opinions stated are their own. 2020102816 expires June 2022. CJ Burnett and Tom Seco are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. CJ Burnett's and Tom Seco's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue 
California Securities LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Venture Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purpose only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Florida Venture Advisors, and opinions stated are their own. This material is intended for general use. By providing the content, Park Avenue Securities LLC and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide investment advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. The individuals associated with Florida Veterinary Advisors do not maintain specialized licenses or qualifications for the financial services provided to veterinary professionals. Florida Veterinary Advisors is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Submission number 2023-151790 expires February of 2025.